Welcome to Roundhill Radio, the podcast from Roundhill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Welcome to Roundhill Radio. I'm Leslie. I'm Ed. Hi, Ed. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. So we're doing something a little bit different today. Um, I asked Ed if he would be willing to share about his spiritual journey, about his life of ministry, his life of faith, which are obviously intertwined. Um, you know, for those of you who, who have been listening for a long time, some of you might know us, some of you might not. Um, and I think, I think it's, I don't know all these details of this story. And so I'm personally interested. Um, I don't even well. know the details. <laughs> <laughs> and you lived it, you were there. <laughs> well, discover so, as we go along. You're right. Absolutely. So thank you for being willing to do this, first of all. Um, so as they say, let's start at the very beginning. Alrighty. A very good place to start. Um, yeah. So the first question, probably pretty obvious to any interviewer, is, you know, was faith, was church part of your family life growing up? Because I think that's not always a given. Right. Yeah, definitely not a given. Um, I think faith was very important to my family because it gave my parents an excuse to send me out of the house for two hours on Sunday morning. <laughs> they never went to church. I really? went every Sunday. <laughs> and uh, there were actually, I think, two reasons. One, my parents needed time away from me. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think I was kind of an active child. Um, but the other side of it was my very best friend when I was growing up. So this would have been from kindergarten through fifth grade. Uh, his name was Paul, and he was the son of the local Presbyterian pastor. And he and I were best friends throughout our entire school career there, K through five. So not only did I wind up going to church every Sunday, he and I were in Sunday school together, which met in an amazing space down by the boiler in the basement of the church. <laughs> It was just Classic. the most disgusting place you can imagine. But there we were. That's where we had Sunday school. And in that particular church, Sunday school happened for one hour before church so that the children could go up and be in the service uh, through the whole time. Because, of course, we were so excited to hear, you know, something that we had absolutely no, no understanding of whatsoever <laughs> for an hour. But um, But the one thing that happened because of that um, the pastor's name was Kalman Solyak, and he was a Hungarian refugee. He had fled Hungary in the late 50s. And this man was passionate about justice. Mm -hmm. So I and, and his wife, Catherine, um, was very passionate about the arts. And lo and behold, those two things became really important to me as I grew up. So I, I feel like I owe an enormous debt to Catherine and Kalman Solyak. And so that was kind of the, that was, that's how that worked out. I do want to say something about my family. Um, there was no real explicit religiousness. Um, however, it was interesting. This was in the early days of televangelists. And occasionally my father would listen to a Lutheran pastor um, on television. And that was, there was a little bit of religion that came through that. And there was a show called Davy and Goliath that I used to watch that was this cute little thing, you know, with, I don't know, puppets or something. I can't even remember clearly. But interestingly enough, that had a kind of a, a, 
big influence on me. You know, there were sort of religious themes expressed through these characters. So, um, but the last thing, my mother was so fascinated by science. She was a nurse. She wasn't practicing as a nurse when I was growing up at that point. But the two most important possessions in our house were a microscope and, and a pair of binoculars. Hmm. And I think that that, that really had an, also a huge impact on me in terms of the cultivation of wonder. And so I have always connected religion with wonder. You know, for some people, that's not necessarily the most obvious connection, but for me, it's essential for religion and imagination, religion and wonder, that's the heart and soul of it. And we were always conducting little experiments, you know, test taking our blood and looking at it under the microscope and all that stuff. So nature became very important to me. So I had, I think I had the two sort of uh, great dimensions of religion, you know, the community aspect of it, but also the personal exploration, just keep asking questions part of it. And right. that really be my, uh, my, my background as a, as a child. Yeah. That's so interesting. Cause I see these through threads in you as a, as a pastor now of, of nature, of wonder, of art, uh, and of course of faith. So that's so interesting that even it's so, so, so long ago, um, that they're still, they're still present in your, in your life today. That's really, that's really exciting. So then, you know, as you're starting to get older, was there an element of, you know, because it sounds like maybe faith was something that was sort of all around you, obviously with your, your friendship, was it something that then became personal to you that you started connecting with faith in a more direct way? Well, the interesting that thing that happened out of all this is that when my family moved at the end of my fifth grade career, um, we, we entered into a pretty traumatic time. So we, we had all kinds of upheaval in my house at the time and in my family. So we moved to uh, Massachusetts. I think that my, my father took early retirement and the hope was that they were going to settle there and like it there. It didn't work out. We moved back to New York State for a time and then moved to Vermont. So we had, I was in four different school systems in 18 months. Wow. And, uh, the interesting thing, one of the things that came out of that is that religion, formalized religion, community religion, completely dropped out. So I didn't go back to church. I'm not even sure I entered a church again until I was a freshman in college. Wow. Pretty striking, you know, to have been going almost every week. And then it just disappeared. Now, interestingly enough, uh, out of this upheaval, especially when I was a high school teenager, my father became ill. He was diagnosed with cancer and lived for a period of about 16 months with that. He actually returned to community religion at that time by going to a Lutheran church and, and was befriended by two Roman Catholic uh, priests who had come to visit someone else when he was in the hospital and they struck up a conversation with him and they became good friends. So my father actually returned to religion after having been away from it for a long time. On, on my side, I left it mm-hmm. and I started to read um, books about Buddhism. And I'm not exactly sure how I was introduced to that. I read Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. And I just, so I used to go to the little library in Bennington, Vermont, and come home with a stack of books on world religions. Wow. I don't even know what started that. 
but anyway, that's that got underway. So my perspective was starting to change from being uh, specifically Christian in orientation mm -hmm. to the bigger question of where is the spirit moving? You know, where where is where do we find it and how do we look for it and how does it find us? Those became the questions that preoccupied me for a long time. But it's funny how our paths in the family just went in completely different directions. We were never exactly lined up. Yeah, that's interesting. So I think I think for so many people, there's perhaps an assumption that people who become pastors, you know, they're raised in very religious households. Everyone goes to church to get, you know, you kind of picture like the Hallmark card version. Yeah, that wasn't uh, us. That wasn't you. It wasn't us either. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's, I, I think that's so interesting and important to say, like, not, nothing's ever a straight line for anybody. Life is not that tidy for even, even, you know, our most, our faith leaders. Yeah. Um, isn't that beautiful? You know, just, I have to tell a little story as an aside to that down the road. When I finally did go to seminary, I went to union theological seminary in New York city and we had a wonderful professor there who was from Japan originally. His name was Kozuke Koyama. And uh, he taught world religions. And I really loved that class. That was kind of a return, right, to all of those. Now I finally got to read all of the texts uh, from these sacred uh, religions. But he, he used to look around the room that we were in at Union, which was like every other classroom square, like a box. He said, this is not where religion ought to be taught. So he walked us down the hallway at Union. In the entranceway at Union, there is the most gorgeous stairway. And it's a spiral, of course. So it goes up and up and up. And he said, this is where you want to study religion because it's a, it's a spiral. It's not a straight line. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can feel like you're repeating yourself, you know, and you're circling back and you can go up and down this spiral. It's not just always going up. But I love that. He said, that's really he said all of our classes ought to take place in the rotunda of Union Theological Seminary, where you can see this spiral going going up. So anyway, just a little little aside there. Again, not a straight line. I'm a straight line. I love that. Yeah. And sometimes the views are the same, but you're on a different level and you can keep going yeah. with that, that imagery. I know. It, it plays itself, right? It does. It's beautiful. Uh, so you mentioned going back to church when you were a freshman in college. What 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 took you there? What prompted you to go? I wish I could remember. I was a <laughs> I was a freshman. I actually went my first year in college, I went to Rice University in Houston, Texas. I wanted to get away from home. As it turned out, I really didn't want to get away from home, and I transferred back up north after that first year. But I had a great experience at Rice in Houston. But I got it in my head that I was going to go to Easter worship. By golly, I just thought, like, that is something I need to do. So anyway, I... Uh, trucked myself over to the local Lutheran church and I went to Easter morning service. And, uh, and that was the end of that. I didn't go back to church for another two years. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess a little goes a long way. You had and your fill. <laughs> I really did. Must've been an amazing Easter service, right? I just needed a couple of years to think about it. <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was it again. It just, it, for me, that when you, I look back at it as uh, in my younger years, it's funny how it was really intense and then it would stop. Yeah. And then it was intense again for a little bit and then it would stop. But on the edges, I continued to be interested because I've gone back and seen some of my old college papers 
and noticed that the themes of religion often cropped up. They just yeah. never got me into church. That's so interesting. So you were sort of peripheral around it. Were any of your friends involved in religion at all or had any sort of faith conversations you remember? We didn't have many faith conversations, although some of my friends were. Um, and I think I, one, one memory that really stands out for me when we had this really tough period of, of years when there was a lot of movement going on, at one point we lived across from a Jewish family. This was in Niskeyun in New York. And they had a menorah in their window. And uh, so I asked my mother, I said, what is that, you know, what is that uh, candelabra that they have in the window? I didn't, I didn't know what to call it, didn't know what it was. And this was typical of my mother. She said, well, let's go over and ask them. Oh. And uh, so our neighbor next door, he was a couple of years older than me. He came over. I really still treasure this moment. And he sat down with my mother and me and he explained, Hanukkah and the menorah and added a couple of other elements, you know, into, it was my first introduction to Judaism. Mm -hmm. And he was just great, you know, and I think it was also impressive to me because he was my, sort of my age. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like an adult explaining to me, you know, she sort of expect them to be involved, but he was a, like another kid. Yeah. And, uh, that was really, that was really touching that he did that. He came over and explained that with such care. So, but again, always kind of looking outside Christianity at the same time as exploring within it. That, that was important to me. Yeah. What, what did you major in in college? American studies. What is that? <laughs> that is a major that you choose when you can't decide on any other major and you've got a whole <laughs> bunch of courses that don't fit and they will bundle those together very nicely for got you it. and got make it. you an American studies major. <laughs> So I, um, I was really, I really did love American studies, though, because it gave me this great opportunity to look at the country from all different kinds of perspectives, which I did, interestingly enough, but not so much from a religious standpoint, you would have thought that would have come along, but that didn't. But the great thing about that program was it was interdisciplinary. And that stayed that interdisciplinary approach to life, as well as religion has stayed with me ever since, you know, so what do the sociologists say? What do the artists say? And I've always wanted to try to check out all the boxes, you know, to see what's happening. So it didn't, it didn't seem obviously religious, but I think it informed my, my faith journey in some ways. Yeah. So I'm trying to do the math and I'm trying to figure it all out and where we are now in the story of you in college, you went to an Easter service and then you going to seminary, which I believe you did fairly young, seems like yeah. a big leap. So you, you are so right. <laughs> so how do we get from where we are now to I'm going to enter the ministry? What yeah. was that? What was that journey? Isn't that strange? You know, when you think yeah. about it. So by the time I was a senior in college, uh, still not much. And then there was an evening program one time, I was at Union College in Schenectady, New York, and there was a sign outside one of the uh, meeting rooms that said, free food, Sunday night, okay, I'm on board, whatever that is, I'm going. Yeah. Uh, campus Protestant Fellowship, I thought. Okay, doesn't sound too dangerous, let's give it a try. And it turned out there were about nine ministers from the city of Schenectady who came to the campus, 
to start a campus Protestant fellowship. There was a very active uh, Jewish group of students, very active Roman Catholic fellowship, but not anything for Protestant students. And so I started going and I, I just got more and more interested in it. And I met a minister, his name was Don Stake, through that. And I started to go up and talk with him. His church was located near the campus. Then I started showing up on Sunday mornings. He started giving me books to read. And it just was like one thing after another. Mm -hmm. I still didn't necessarily think that I was headed for a religious career, you know, that this was going to pan out uh, as someone who was going to become a minister. I was really kind of looking into either getting into a PhD program or I was going to uh, teach. I really, that was, you know, I was looking at a program at Brown University. But um, things changed in a big, big way when I was a senior in the spring because I applied for and received a Thomas J. Watson Fellowship. And it gave me the opportunity to study overseas, not to study, to travel overseas. Mm -hmm. And um, I had gone, before that, I had gone to one weekend at Andover Newton Theological School for prospective ministers. Hmm. I'll go and check this out, you know, see what it is. And I and I liked what I saw, but I wasn't ready to make a commitment to that at that time. At least I didn't think so. So my Watson Fellowship was designed to give me a chance to travel overseas for a year and kind of do whatever I wanted. I had this program that I wanted to do. And so... Um, through a series of just very bizarre circumstances, I wound up serving a church as a student pastor in the northernmost part of Scotland while I was living overseas for a year. It was, it, it goes to show you that when congregations are really desperate, they'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my whole goal of going to Scotland was to live on the coast for a year. I'd always wanted to live in Scotland. I wanted to live on the coast. I, you know, I had grant money, so I was going to do some youth work in the town. That's what I did in Bennington every summer mm -hmm. when I was in college and uh, Bennington, Vermont. But this one church said, you know what we really need? We, our minister is sick and we need this. We need somebody to help us preach every single week. And I had never preached in my life. And there was a local minister who said, why don't you give it a try? He said, you're, you're thinking about becoming a minister, right? I mean, it said like it's in the realm of possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, sort of. And he said, well, that's enough to go on. So we gave <laughs> it a try. <laughs> and I stayed for a year. So, uh, Oh, that, my gosh. So when you talk about a big leap, that was, that was <laughs> the leap. I'm picturing somebody being like, you're considering possibly learning to swim, right? <laughs> exactly. Hey, let me show you this diving board. It's yeah. 67 feet off the pool, right? But go ahead. You'll be fine. Do you remember yeah. those early sermons? Oh, do I ever. Oh <laughs> was, I, was I ever petrified? And this little church, oh my gosh, you know, it was just such a, it was such a wonderful place in so many ways. It was right on the coast. I mean, if you went any further north, walking out of the church door, you know, you were, you were in the Pentland Firth of the North Sea. So that was the environment. Wow. But they were so kind to me. That was the amazing thing. They they put up with me. And uh, so I did a lot of learning there. And then I came back to the United States after that year. I worked for a year, applied to Union Seminary, and eventually went to seminary. 
So I kind of did it the wrong way around. You know, I started in the church first, then went to the seminary. But the great advantage to that is one person said, well, you'll know what you want to study and what you don't want to study by the time you get to seminary, which turned out to be true. Really? Really? It was really very helpful in that sense. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think that's actually a perfect spot to leave our conversation for today. We anticipated this being a two-parter due to the rich history we would get into. So we will leave you with your imagination of Ed, a young man about to enter seminary, and we will pick up back up here next week. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you here next week. Blessings to all. Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Round Hill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundhillcommunitychurch.org.